welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer. He's on the East Coast, and we are looking at Friday with a nice slate here after just two games on Thursday, where as Nate and I are recording this on Thursday evening as the Bucks and Pacers game is coming down to the end here, and we are already 4-0 on the night, Nate. We got the first half over, got Indy winning at the half as well, Giannis over 6.5 points in the first quarter, and Giannis over 44.5 points in rebounds and assists combined. He currently has 50 points in this game, so we hit that with his points, uh, but we did take the points, rebounds, and assists on it, so we're looking at another 4-0 there. We got four more bets in that Hawks game as well. We're bringing you these videos each and every weekday, so continue to follow along, like, and subscribe to that page. This is our best bets. We're also bringing you play-up props as well. Also want you to head to thelines.com, check out the written content we are throwing up on the site right now, and use the odds finder tool. It's called a prop finder tool as well. Uh, Make sure you're getting the best odds that are available to you. It's a nice little chart with all of that right in front of you. Nate, let's go ahead and run right into your first best bet where the theme of the week has been fade the Clippers. Yeah, fade a little fade of the Bucks in the first half and now fading the Clippers is what we're on. Eventually we'll get caught, but I don't think it's going to be on the last of their four-game road trip here uh, in tournament, in-season tournament in Dallas. Uh, right now, Mavs minus two. Bet that when it opened. It might get a little higher as people start to realize that the Clippers are just figuring this thing out. Uh, Ty Lue said, quote, it might take 10 games to figure it out. And this is game three on the road against a really good opponent. Like the Mavs have been great. They lost their last game. So you're getting a little value because Derek Lively was out sick and his props are already up. He's coming back. Uh, They also got crushed on the boards by those big Raptors, got bullied. You think the Clippers can do that? I do not. The Clippers are playing, you know, four wings and guards and Zubac. Yeah, they're 27th in rebounding rate compared to Toronto, which is which is one. They've been out-rebounded since getting Harden or in their last three in general. Out-rebounded by seven per game. They have the second-worst offensive rating in that span. And most importantly, they are negative 22 net in the fourth quarter. So if if this is a close game, as the line is indicating, like I love the Mavs in a close game. They are a league best plus 57 in the, in the clutch time right now. In, in the clutch time, excuse me. In clutch time, in yeah. games within five points down the stretch. As we know, Luka, Kyrie, both can get their buckets. They're, they're second and fourth quarter scoring. Also ninth in fourth quarter defense this year. Um, also... Number one, limiting free throw attempts on on the defensive end. And number 10, forcing turnovers. So James Harden, you're going to try to play Harden ball. Probably not going to happen against this particular team. They now have Grant Williams, who's given them a a great defensive identity. Lively, you know, already talked about the the Rook has just been great in terms of star in his role. Uh, Plus eight and a half net rating when he's on the floor. And I mean, it's more just about like, let's fade the Clippers. Like they're just, they're, they're trying to figure it out. Uh, Harden and Westbrook at this stage in their career are very clunky together. Um, Maybe they were always a little clunky and that's why Harden came off the bench when he was at OKC. Um, But you know, there, I I digress. Like this could be as much about just saying like, look, the Mavs at home in this environment, they lost their first in-season tournament game last week to Denver at Denver. Mavs have been great at home. Luka has been great against the Clippers. He averages 40 points per game, his last seven against them. The Ma- this Mavs team beat the Clippers with, with PG and Kawhi active and no Luka last February. So Kyrie ran the show. And this is just a different squad 
this year. Like I said, Grant Williams coming in, um, Tim Hardaway playing really well, and just sort of a different identity to, to turn the page after they had their like 10, 20 game stretch of just abysmal play. Uh, and they were able to bounce back after the offseason. And right now the Clippers are in that sort of uh, muck. Yeah, the muck, the muck gets muckier. We, I was kind of wrong, and I think a lot of people were, when Russ Westbrook came to the team and we were like, what are we doing here? Like, we've already got two guys that need the ball, whatever. And it's not like we really got a full you know, a sample of the three of those dudes playing together, you know, Kawhi never really played or PG didn't then come to the playoffs and Kawhi's out right away, et cetera. But I would still say that the Russell Westbrook experiment up to the, the you know, this point has been like a success as far as uh, comparing to, especially compared to what other people might've thought, but you're just throwing another guy in there that isn't even really like Russ in a lot of ways, but it is in that if he's not on the ball, Unfortunately, like sometimes, you know, he, he doesn't do as much off of it. Now, Russ has come to play and done that for them. And that's why he's been a success on this team. But Harden hasn't. And just the the, the one person standing out out there 30 feet away, not good. Uh, everything else you said about Dallas, I, I totally agree with. You know how much I love Lively after watching him play a few games. And like you said, just doing what is needed of him as a rim running center um, and, and blocking some shots and defending a lot more of the paint than they've had. So uh, I'm with it. Continue to fade them. And I think that the Mavs will probably continue to surprise us this season as a team that is better than we all thought as well. So or most of us anyway. Um, let me go ahead and talk about a game that's really interesting right now, Nate, because we started doing research for this video, obviously Thursday afternoon uh, and late morning even, and we were looking at this OKC uh, Sacramento game going, OKC, they should not be dogs, even if Fox plays and is not that healthy, but plays, still kind of like ruled Fox. Out. He's ruled out. Um, I, I, and he's, I, yeah. That's what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm totally getting there. I know he's ruled okay. out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, like, I understand that at this point. So it's just weird, though, because the lines got taken down is the way what I'm getting to. So, like, we start doing research. We like the, 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 the Thunder. It's at two and a half points that we're getting from them. Fox is then officially declared out, like, in between then and when we're about to record. Uh, and, and so now it's kind of like it's down. And by the time people are watching this video, when it comes out early morning, you know, I imagine that the, the Thunder will be favored once again. I'll still take them. I can't imagine that they'll go from plus two and a half to much more than, like, minus two and a half, minus three and a half. I think that line was still holding from going too far in the Kings' favor because everyone loves them as home at home, especially where they light the beam and everything. It's just it is such a crazy different team without De'Aaron Fox. So even when you see this, I'm playing this up to like minus two and a half, minus three and a half for the Thunder. This this has legit blowout potential in a game where the Kings have gotten blown out by teams that are not as good as the Thunder, who should be taken a lot more seriously um, with and without Fox. Just really quick, because the sample size keeps adding. Like in the four games without him, they're one and three against the spread and straight up because they pulled it out in overtime against those pesky Portland Trailblazers. Uh, 105 offensive rating and 102 points per game. Doesn't sound like a lot, and it's not, but it's even sounds like even less when you consider that in the three games with Fox, they were scoring 125 points per game. The offensive rating is like, it's much better, but it's really the pace that, that is the reason for so many more points. Um, the defensive rating is actually better with Fox in there. Uh, it's 112 with him. It's 116, almost 117 without him. So it's not like, you know, he gets out and in there and they don't play defense. They just play faster, but they play better. Um, he, he's the engine that makes everything happen. Their games average 246 with him. They've averaged 214 in the the last four without him a big reason for that which i will talk and play about in player props 
is Keegan Murray, who's a guy that they definitely need as sort of a third score, not a sort of, as a third score, especially when Harrison Barnes is fluctuates between scoring anywhere from eight points to 17 points. It's really not good enough to be considered your third guy. Uh, and Keegan Murray is really good when, when Fox is in there. He's above 12 points a game. He's up above 40% from three and from you know the field. Without him, it's just those shooting splits drop. He's not a guy that really has learned to create his own shot at this point. Uh, so he's, he's down to 37% from the field, 30% from deep when D Fox is not in there to really get everything going and then feed him out there. That's why also Sacramento goes has gone down to the uh, third worst three point shooting percentage over their last four games, and that's not good for a team that shoots the third highest percentage of their shots from deep. Like that's, they they only really have one mo on offense that they've decided is going to be what it is, and right now they're playing a lot of Davion Mitchell um, and I believe Keon Ellis, Keon I can't remember which Keon it was because I'm not really familiar with him, uh, but he was in there as well, and he actually might be out, so we're going to see more Mitchell. Monk hasn't been it this season so far. I believe he tweeted out, "I don't give a shit about y'all's parlays." Was a tweet that he put out, which to be fair, good for you. You shouldn't care, Malik, but it was just like he was clearly getting it all over the place because he wasn't putting up points or. Stuff stats or anything so we need to start respecting OKC they've done a wonderful things on the road since last season and into this season winning two of their first two this season on the road and last year being uh, one of the best teams against the spread on the road as well so let's uh let's go with the Thunder in this one yeah absolutely I mean you look at the Kings they've only played a few home games thus far and you and they did have a great home court advantage last year and you say well oh well they're pretty good you know they they, they beat the Lakers on a back-to-back after an overtime or, or in overtime and then they beat um the, the pesky Blazers, as you point it. So, so it's not really the same level of competition. OKC is a team that you would expect to, like, actually do really well in this type of in-season tournament. They might not be ready for, like, the big thing, but it, this is exactly what they are, right? They're like a junior light contender um, that's going to, you know, maybe actually win this thing because that's they, they have the talent. They have a, 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 a insert in-season tournament MVP, if you will, in SGA. And it'll be interesting to see how far they can go in this thing. The Celtics are playing their first uh, tournament game here. They host the Nets. Um, they are 10-point favorites with the Nets, you know, pretty depleted by injuries. No Cam Thomas, still no Claxton. Ben Simmons is questionable. Cam Johnson might be returning. But to me, I, I would rather just take the Celtics to score here. Uh, so I believe the team total is going to be 118 for them based on the spread in total. Um, and I would play them up to 120. I, I think they'll be able to score a lot against this Nets team coming back home after two road games against really good defenses, Minnesota and Philly. They come back home uh, where they averaged 120 and a half last season, and now they are just like buzzing offensively. Still a wagon. I mean, they averaged 137 in their two blowouts against you know the the shorthanded Pacers and the Wizards, who everybody's dropping that much against. But that's what they've done so far. This season at the Garden, um, and and they dropped one nineteen against the Heat, uh, you know, which is a team that tries to slow it down. The Nets are not slowing things down, really. I mean, <clears throat> they they're playing at a one on one pace on the road. Their four road games have averaged two thirty. In the fourth quarter of those roadies, they put up one hundred thirty two per per hundred possessions, and given up one twenty six. And this includes matchups against the Heat and those Bulls again, which of course were lower scoring. Uh, but you know they played they gave up 123 to the Mavs and the Hornets in those road games. So I mean the Celtics getting Derek White back who did not play in the first meeting between these teams. Celtics still dropped 124 without White who is a you know 
a, a glue guy, a, an absolute great connector. While he not, might not be the guy scoring, like he gets their ball moving and, and gets those open shots. Both these teams are really up there in terms of three point attempts. The Nets got plenty of hoists up last year, uh, last time they met, and the Nets are also dead last in forcing turnovers, allowing the six most threes. So, if the Celtics start hitting. Uh, it could definitely be one of those avalanches we've seen at the Garden so far this year. Yeah, hundred percent. With with Nick Claxton continuing to be out, it's like that's really what they had down low last year and this year. Their defensive rating is is suffering. I mean, really, also I say what you want. Like Cam Johnson being out, uh, the, the the other guys that are miss that have been missing a few games here and there. It's the it's the wing depth that they kind of rely on with at least a dude who's an athletic shot blocking center. You know who who can at least slow guys down and 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 do his thing defensively. So yeah, I I think this has complete blowout potential to be honest because the thing that would probably have kept them from getting blown out is Cam Thomas <laughs> and Cam Thomas ain't playing. And it's just, it makes me smile to think about Cam. He's such a, a great chucker in a way, but like he's fun to watch. He's, he's never, he's never seen an assist that he liked. I'll say that. But uh, I think it's, yeah, total blow up potential in this one. And I, I think that the, the, um, the Celtics are a pretty good bet. We've seen that spread rise, right? All, all the way up to what, 10 and a half where it sits right now as we record opened at nine. I do think that's pretty solid movement in the first few hours. So uh, I'm going to finish the, th- everything off here, Nate, with a game that I really like. I don't think you're going to see the number I'm about to throw out there when you see this video because it's 231 and a half in a game between the Yaz and the Memphis Grizzlies. And it opened at 234 and a half. And that's one of those things, too, where I'm sure anybody who is, is looking at these lines early and, and hawkeyeing them just was a, like immediately blindly just like, great, awesome, under, under on all day on that. We've got a Memphis team at home. This is it was totally bloated by the fact that these two teams played recently. So uh, I'm going I'm, just to be very clear. I'm going under 231 and a half. I think this is going to probably be around 228 and a half by the time that people see this. I'm still going under that number, by the way. Uh, under 228 is still good enough, close enough to 230, which is my magic number to go under for sure in this game. So there's two Memphis games this season that have reached 230 points total. That was that one game at it was at Utah. That was 110 to 124, and the other one was at home in Memphis, but it was versus Dallas, where, good Lord, Kairuka just ate them alive, um, and we know what Dallas be like, so let's just leave that alone. But the other one was Utah on the road, and there's just such stark differences between Utah at home and on the road, where they have one of the best NBA home court advantages, for sure. Uh, they they always do, year in and year out. Uh, at this point, this year, it's very stark. Like I said, 120 points per game in the four home games they played versus uh, 100 uh, 105 games uh, excuse me 105 points per game uh, on uh, at home right uh, excuse me on the road you get what i'm saying i'm stumbling over it but there's been five games on the road so it's it's a pretty it's equal sample size they're 0 and 5 when they get on the road playing at 100 pace versus 104 pace at home uh, they have a minus 18 net rating on the road and look they played some good teams at home uh, when they've been on the road like they got to, they had to play denver at home uh, and then the, you know they, they played the sun as well, but I, it's not like there's been that much difference in the competition other than that, to be honest with you. Uh, and it's really the same, like I said, same as last season where they averaged four more uh, points per game at home than they did on the road. They just, it's not even really worse defense. It's just much worse offense. Uh, and this is just a situation with Memphis where like, come on, man, like they, they can't score. It is a problem. Uh, say what you want, but like Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton, all these guys that were there and are no longer there to sort of make up for Ja when he's not in. 
that's not there right now. And that's been a huge problem for guys like uh, Jaron Jackson as well. I, I don't think they're going to be able to score very much themselves. Uh, but I know that you like guys like Marcus Smart to be able to lock up some of the guards on Utah who do not play a lick of defense, by the way, which isn't really going to be a problem because you're not getting you're not generating much offense from this Memphis backcourt right now to really worry about it. Yeah, exactly. You look at the Jazz on the road this year, and if anything goes over, it's because the other team drops like 130. And Memphis is just not capable of doing that right now. Um, You mentioned Marcus Smart, who, yeah, I like his defense, but it's just a huge difference in style of play when you used to have John Morant buzzing up and down the court, and now you have this, like, really, you know... It's a square peg in a round hole. It's Marcus Smart, even in the mo- in the modern NBA, no matter who he's playing with, it's he's just not quick enough with his decision making and with his passing, and and he's not a good enough shooter to be an elite to be part of an elite offense at this point. I mean, I, I just look at how good the Celtics' offense is without him, and how bad this Grizzlies' offense is this year, and that's kind of the conclusion. But I do think Memphis will get get some grit and grind going. I'm looking at some unders for the Jazz, Jordan Clarkson probably because Smart should be all over him. Uh, but I like the under for the game. Yeah. Cause I think that's the best way to just approach is just fade this jazz offense on the road. Nate, let's go ahead and get into your first NBA play a prop for Friday. Yeah. Kelly Oubre over 13 and a half points. The Sixers are at Detroit here about seven point favorites in the, uh, in season tournament. Um, look, I like Oubre to just score. That's he has one job. He does not pass. You say, he said it, Earlier, Cam Thomas never saw an assist he liked. Uh, Ubre feels the same way. Averaging 17 and a half in, in just under 30 minutes per game for the Sixers team. And he's facing a Detroit team that has that given up the six most points to small forwards. Uh, interestingly, the only time he hasn't hit this prop this year was against like the worst teams the Blazers have faced. It was again in blowouts over the Wiz and the Blazers, and I'm like, huh, is that a red flag? Is, like, Oubre not not stepping up when, when they don't need him to? No, it's because Joel Embiid dropped, like, 45 in 20 minutes in both of those games. He's just going absolutely bonkers. They didn't need anything. We'll see what Jalen Durant can do tonight uh, against Embiid. The, only their second career meeting, he did help hold Embiid to 22 points the only other time he faced him. Uh, at this point, much more of a man than a boy than he was maybe two years ago when he when he did line up against the MVP. Overall, Detroit allowing the ninth fewest points to centers. And like I said, they've been very vulnerable on the wing. They they allowed the highest free throw rate in the league. Uh, and they allowed the third fewest assists per game, which actually uh, encourages me that you're not going to be having nice free-flowing offense. You're just going to be have a guy like Tsunami Poppy who does not pass <laughs> again. He does. He just looks for his shot. Uh, and, and he never really saw a shot. He didn't like also the in season tournament thing, the whole, the whole festive court and atmosphere. He's got to love playing vibing into that. Right. I mean, he leads the league in blown kisses as Zach Lowe says. Um, so yeah, if we could bet on that prop, uh, let's, let's get, let's parlay it with this one. I like the angle of, um, let's just call him slightly narcissistic Kelly Oubre <laughs> shining in a moment where they're trying to get some more pub on these games and the courts are a little bit more vivacious, if you will, which is something I know he he loves into fashion, all that, whatever. I'm here for that, for that player prop. Uh, I'm going to go with a fade here and 
as I've mentioned a couple times now, we're recording on Thursday night. And what's interesting about this Kings and Thunder game is that like De'Aaron Fox was just ruled out, which means right as we start recording, the lines were taken down for this game. So Keegan Murray doesn't have any props, and he didn't anyway because they were waiting for the Fox news to come out. And Keegan Murray especially is someone who's going to be super impacted by Fox coming out. So here's what I'm saying for when you watch this video. If you see a 13.5 or any higher, like I like an under on that. 14.5 I feel great about. And I'm using those numbers too because 15.5 has been his points prop even since De'Aaron Fox went down this, uh, or if, you know, th- four games ago now, and he was there for the first three. You, you look at Keegan Murray's numbers without him, it's just startlingly different. Um, it's especially different in, in the category of shooting percentages, where he shoots 42, uh, basically 42% from deep with De'Aaron Fox in there, and he shoots 31 or 30% from deep with him out, out of there. And that's been this season. He's not shooting 41% last year as well. That's this season in, in the three games with him. Uh, he came out firing in those, in those, in those first three games. Um, scoring a ton of the uh, of points each game, getting well above this prop before he then left, and then the four games in a row without him, we go right down. Uh, he averages a couple more points a game with D Fox, even going back to last season when he didn't have his point guard. And like I said, all those shooting percentages just go way, way, way down. And actually, I'm sorry, I was talking about the full sample size of 74 games total in his career without D Fox or with D Fox. He's at 41% from deep. So it's just because he's stand and shoot, right? Like even the last game uh, where they just got blown out by the Rockets, I think he had two uncontested shots in that game when I was looking at the box score uh, of his like 12 field goal attempts. So it's going to be the same thing. His threes are not open. That's why he's gone down to like 12% right now in his last three games from deep because he just can't hit anything right now, including that 0 for 8 against the uh, the Rockets. So I, I think that's going to continue in, in a game with the Thunder where they lock up small forwards. That's uh, obviously they have a lot of Jalen Williams covering that particular position, plus a couple of other guys, including Lou Dort. If you want to get thrown in the Dorcher chamber, come get it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good night for, for Keegan Murray and really for the the, the uh, Kings in general. Yeah, fading the whole Kings offense without De'Aaron Fox. No problem with that. Um, and, and we are on the Thunder here. It's plus. It was plus two and a half when it opened, then Fox was ruled out. So uh, we'll see where that line reopens. But anything under minus three, I think, for OKC is definitely playable. If you do want a number that we have at this moment, I was I was a, trying to pitch Josh on Paul George over 22 and a half points. He he put up like a quiet dud in James Harden's debut against the Knicks. Next time out, he goes 7 for 20 from the floor, 2 for 10 from 3. So clearly there was some sort of discussion about from the Clippers saying like, "All right, Paul George was cooking before this guy arrived." So like, we need <laughs> we need to keep uh grease that squeaky wheel, make sure he's he still gets his attempts up. So anytime someone takes 20 shots and their point prop is 22 points, I am very comfortable with that. He's playing the Mavericks. Um, you know, he's had success against them a lot. That should be a higher scoring environment. Even though I, I like the Mavs to win that game, I think Paul George scores. If you want an under, this this kind of fits with Josh's under in the uh, Grizz hosting the Jazz. And I'll go under Jordan Clarkson, 28 and a half points, rebounds, assists. You know, if is if there is a poster child for how the Jazz have struggled on the road versus at home, it is Jordan Clarkson this year in five road games, averaging just 12 points per game, uh, two and a half rebounds in 30 minutes and shooting nine percent from deep, 34 percent from the floor overall. So the fact that he cooked Memphis for 20 points on eight for 13 shooting at home, the Jazz ran away with that game, scored 133. They've been awful offensively on the road, and they're on you know a continued long road trip here. Makes it a pretty good spot to fade him. I mean, his previous two at Memphis, 15 points, three rebounds, three assists. 
gets you under this, like generally not, not, I mean, his points prop is 19 and a half. If you want to just go under there and Marcus smart, while he was, he was part of that, you know, getting, giving up the 20 points in, in the previous five meetings with smart and the Celtics, Clarkson went under this in four of those and he averaged 13 and a half points per game. So Marcus smart is a guy who can, who can keep Jordan Clarkson from getting hot. Um, you know, the, the, the last two roadies before a nice blow up against the Pacers who are just a fun team to play against, as we found out again on Thursday night, just you stars can get their points. Anybody can get their points. It's, it's up and down. So the last two roadies before that for Clarkson against the Bulls and Wolves total of 17 points. And those are good defenses. Grizzlies also still a good defense, even though they can't score. They certainly cannot. Um, I'm I'm with you. You you had a lot of conviction on this one. We both know how volatile Jordan Clarkson's output can be night to night. And when you find a good spot that is like this one in Memphis with the the defense that Memphis is playing, with the choppiness and grossness that we expect from this game, the thing is, is like it just seems like some t- some nights they're just like, go ahead, Jordan, just go get it. And and it's when he plays a lot of minutes, but. I'm always afraid of an under with him. Uh, I prefer to find the spots where I can hit the over. And usually it's when he's coming off a bad night and he's in a, a prime position. But this is certainly, I would certainly prefer an under before I take it with him. I'm just saying it's more of a stay away from me. But uh, let me close things out here. No, what am I? Am I I'm, I'm here. Am I? Uh, yeah, I'm closing things out. All right, cool. I'm just making sure I got the right amount of props. You threw me off with your uh, with your Paul George one. I was like, I don't know how to do it. It's not like we normally do it. Anyway, Oscar Thompson in a in an angle that we both were looking at in this Detroit Pistons game, where they are just going to have a ton of dudes out, man. And and like I was actually looking. I think you mentioned it perhaps in the other video uh, where we talk about our best bets. And I think you were talking, oh no, I'm sorry. You were talking about with Kelly Oubre and why you like him to score. Right. And in this video talking about player props and like, I, I was using the same logic you were even talking about to go, maybe Jalen Oren is, is, is someone who is a little bit of an Embiid slower downer because you don't stop him. You just, you know, de- hope he decelerates a little bit. And really they, they guard centers well because of him and because most of their, most of their roster is made up of centers. So I hope that they can guard the position when you can just throw a rotating door of, of centers at people. I, I would consider an under, I think his points, rebounds and assists was up at like 47, 48 and a half for Jojo. I know his points are 29 and a half his uh, and his um, it's a little bit smaller and that's probably about 46, but I still like an under for that too, because his assist prop has gone up. The pick that I'm making officially is Osser Thompson to go over 20 and a half points and rebounds uh, at plus or minus one Oh four on FanDuel, And I love Osser Thompson, man. Like that's, analysis number one love him as a player he's hit this in every game except for the very first two games he ever played in the nba uh and and he's averaging 32 minutes a game 21 uh rebounds and points combined per game as well in uh in his career to start so you add the fact that there's nobody playing for Detroit right now on the wing. Boyan is hurt. Alec Burks is hurt. Um, Joe Harris is hurt and has been. Jaden Ivey's still hurt. Monty Morris still hurt. That's a lot of guys that would be potentially, you know, either taking some time on the wing from Osser or potentially some of these, these stats from him. But as a result of the, the all these people being out for even the last three games, his minutes over the last three 
is 37 and a half per game. He's looking at 12 points and 10 boards. Um, and, and really it's like, I know that scares people sometimes when it's like, they're not as that much higher than the prop. It's, it's an average of 22, but he's gone over in all of them. He's getting the minutes. The usage has continued to climb. It went from literally 6% to 8% to 16% in the last one. And I think it's going to continue to rise as they continue to trust him. Like we all were sitting here going, you know, the Amon Thompson is it and he's going to be nice too when he can stay on the court but like I don't think anyone expected Oscar to currently be the better Thompson twin uh, and he's showing that he like he definitely belongs especially around the, the boards where he just had 15 of them uh, in that last game where they almost beat the Bucks. so uh, Philly allows a ton of uh, rebounds third most to the small forward position 10th most points per game as well and that's because you have some form of rotation of like Ubre, Rocco, Batum maybe a little Tobias Harris even though he's got to play small uh, a lot of power forward too as well but all the guys that you'll see that are not very fleet of foot and are going to have a lot of trouble staying in front of a very quick very athletic rookie uh, I think he's going to be good for over 20 uh, points and boards combined yeah Pogo sticks our guy can definitely get up and board up only seven and a half rebounds if you if you remove the points because Philly's been really good uh, you know just defensively I, I might just go with the rebounds here this this was yeah. my similar angle you're thinking because I had Killian Hayes at 14 and a half points rebounds. So basically yeah. the same thing thrust into a, a role where he's playing like 32 minutes a game um, has gone comfortably over that prop in four straight has really turned, you know, turned into a much better uh, ball handler, not turning the ball over this year. And he's actually might be playing some small forward too, because Marcus Sasser has been playing so well. So it's Caden Sasser in the backcourt either way. Yeah. All these guys should be getting a lot of run here tonight as, as Detroit tries to to cool off the Sixers. Yeah, I know you were super low on Killian Hayes last year, and I think he had like four straight games of 15 points in a row, but volume player, dude, like not a Killian Hayes fan still, but when, I, when you watch him shoot from beyond 17 feet, it's like, good God, but... Either way, yeah, I think uh, we'll be fine with Oscar because he's getting a lot of his buckets around the rim anyway. But that is all the time that we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. Check out the best bets as well. We will be back next week for you guys with videos each and every weekday. So until we see you next, happy betting. Stop.